future of work is constantly shifting and fast. How can you keep up? Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Future of Work Conversations, a podcast all about the intersection of human talent and leadership in the shifting world of work. Whether you're a CHRO leading a human resources function or a business leader, this podcast brings together experts, decision makers, and C-suites to discuss everything impacting the changing world of work and how companies are shifting to become future-proof. In this first episode of our Future of Work conversation series, Ken Cooper, the Chief Human Resources Officer at Bloomberg, reveals the most important skill new hires should possess when applying to jobs. Likewise, when organizations hire new workers, they should be looking for this one skill. Listen to the full conversation with Cynthia Hansen, the Managing Director of the ADECO Group Foundation, right here now. Hi, Ken. Hey, how are you? Good morning. Good afternoon. It's so nice to see you. We're so excited at the ADECO Group to have the chance to talk to CHROs because we've been looking really deeply at how the whole landscape of the future of work is changing, how the whole HR function is changing, how it's becoming ever more a driver of business and competitiveness. And there's no better place to go for that kind of information and insights than to CHROs themselves. So this is the start of what will be a long series of intimate conversations with CHROs like yourself to really hear from your perspective, how the future of work is changing, how your function is changing. So it's just such a pleasure to have a chance to speak with you to kick off this really exciting series. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, I'm thrilled to have the conversation. To kick off, we're really interested in what you're seeing as the fundamental change of how HR and how talent in general is being used to really drive competitiveness in this very uncertain time when a lot of things are changing around the way workforces are managed, the kind of talent that we need. So it'd be really interesting to hear from you how you think the function is changing and how the positioning of that as a driver of business is going to evolve. You know, HR, I think, has always been one of the most vital pieces of an organization. Uh, it, you know, if you go online and look up uh, interviews with Jack Welch, the former CEO of GE, who's long retired, right? And he talks about HR. He said he thinks HR is the most important part of the organization, which I guess I would have to agree with. And what he outlines is that this is the part of the organization that fields the team for your organization. This is the uh, part of your organization that attracts the talent, grows the talent, develops the talent. And the analogy he uses, and you know I'm a big uh, baseball fan, and he uses that analogy. He said, if you are the owner of the New York Yankees, who do you want sitting next to you? The accountant or the uh, guy in charge of player development? He goes, I don't want the accountant. I want the person in charge of player development because that's the person that's going to help me field the winning team. And what we're seeing in the last year and a half is the thinking around this has just accelerated dramatically. I think organizations around the world realize how important that player development piece is for their organization. You can't win the game unless you're fielding the best team and unless you're training the best team and coaching the best team. How do you think the mindset of HR professionals has changed. Instead of looking to attract talent that's all ready to plug and play, 
how do you change the uh, the attitude toward actually recruiting for propensity to learn or recruiting for potential? And how does that become part of your ability to attract and develop and then retain people? I think the skill that is most important when you're looking for candidates is adaptability and ability to change. If you didn't figure this out in the last year and a half, then you're never going to figure that out. But even before that, it was really important. I think about our organization, for example, uh, the way we report news today is very different than it was 30 years ago, right? You know, the long form story was much more popular uh, back in the day. And now uh, consumers want quick bites of information uh, and making sure it's accurate and relevant is still equally important. But the way you do, you know, the way you put it together and package it is very different. And if you have a news organization that can adapt to these changes and, and move quickly, you're gonna have a great news organization. Uh, and if you don't, if you have people that are still trying to write news like it was still 1995, you're gonna have a problem. So HR organizations recognizing that you've got to hire people that can adapt and change and, and, and move uh, when times change, uh, will look for that kind of talent. Uh, it's something I emphasize over and over to students when I talk to them, they say, what's the most important skill I need to have? And I, I'll tell them, there's no one skill. It's not gonna be if you're an engineer, whether you can program in Java or C++ or this or that. Um, it's not that you can speak five languages or four languages or three languages. Yes, these things are important and they're very helpful, but it's adaptability and ability to change and understanding when the world is changing to be able to change with it, I think is the critical, critical skill and that's what uh, organizations need to look for. So building on that, I think there's been a lot of discussion about hard skills versus soft skills, as you were saying. And then there's the question of among soft skills, how much is innate and how much can be trained? So what are you seeing in terms of the ability to train soft skills versus to hire for that potential? It's tough. Uh, I'm smiling and almost laughing because it's the ongoing debate, uh, which I don't accept, by the way, uh, that you can't, you know, you're either born with it, um, right? You're born with it or you're not and we can't train you. That's nonsense, okay? That's like saying the best tennis player in the world was born with a racket in her hand as, and the best tennis player in the world. There's no question that there are some people that are born with uh, um, certain inherent talents, but you have to work on them. You have to train. Everybody has to train. The best tennis player in the world still has a coach and trains and works out every single day. And even if you're not the, born with that inherent talent, you can work on it and be better than you would have been otherwise, right? Uh, if you don't have certain soft skills, if you're resistant to change, there are things you can do to work on that and to be more open to change, right? But the first step is you have to be willing to learn. You have to be willing to, you have to be willing to try. You have to be willing to try to change. You can't stick your feet in the ground and go, that's it, I, I can't do it, I can't change, I, or I, I, I can't, uh, you know, I'm not good at interfacing with people so I'm never gonna learn that. That's nonsense. I've seen, look, I'm actually a very shy person. I tell that to people and they don't, they don't realize it. And yeah, uh, and um, I just, I think it was somewhere in college and uh, a lot of beers that uh, got me over that. Uh, but uh, I do not accept that people can't improve on soft skills. I, I just refuse to accept that. I refuse to accept they can't improve on hard skills. And people tell me, for example, well, I'm not technical, so I can't do X, Y, and Z. Okay, 
you don't have to design uh, a nuclear fusion reactor. Like, you don't have to be that person. But if you're going to tell me that you can't work your computer because you're not technical, I'm going to go, like, give me a freaking break. I mean, of course you could figure that out, right? You just didn't try or use an excuse or you didn't try to learn. You know, at the, the ADECO Group Foundation, we've actually been training young musicians about how to take the skills that they've developed through the world of music and to reframe it in ways that can be heard within the world of business. And it's not that they can't do it. It's not that they don't have the skills. A lot of it's really just about framing and packaging and putting it in the right language so that it can be heard. Is that something that you think HR professionals are learning to do more and more, to take people from one sector, move them to another, from one area of expertise, move them to another? How do you do that? And what kind of skills do HR people need in order to unlock that talent? First, you have to just be creative. You have to, you can't sit and think in a box. I'll give you an example. We at, at Bloomberg have a large customer service function, okay? And a lot of it's technically oriented in terms of giving technical support to our customers. So for years, um, we would look for people who had technical skills to provide that. And then it occurred to us, you know, that customer service skills and being able to work with a customer are really important. And one day, uh, and I'll take credit for this, uh, I was in the hotel at Cornell University. They have a hotel school there, right? And the students work in the hotel and they study hotel management. Uh, and the service they provided was so extraordinary. It was like a five-star hotel, uh, the service at least. And, and I was amazed. So I would talk to the students and i go, you know, how did you learn to give great customer service? Why do you work here? And they said, well, it's part of our studies that we work in the hotel and we uh, give great customer service because that's what we're taught. You know, that's part of the hotel business, et cetera, et cetera. And then I would talk to them further and say, well, what do you want to do when you graduate? And it occurred, and I learned that, yeah, most of them want to work in hotel management, but some of them don't. Some of them don't. Some of them are like, okay, after four, three or four years of studying hotel management, this is not what they want to do for the rest of their life. And, and then I started pitching, hey, would you be interested in working for Bloomberg? And this was a very non-traditional role for us because to have someone who studied hotel management work in technical support for our customers is not quite the match that you would think, right? And uh, so we tried it. We started hiring some of them and they did amazing. I think the, the, the point is HR professionals have to be creative. I think thinking of musicians is a great idea. Musicians often make great computer scientists, by the way. I'm not sure what the connection is, but I know that it's true. And uh, I think we have to be creative in thinking about people and, and what they've studied and what they can do. We also have to be creative and say, look, you know, not everybody goes to a four-year school. And we have some great people that, that haven't gone to a four-year school and, and are phenomenal. Looking at non-traditional backgrounds is a great way to find great talent. I think it's at the heart of that about human centricity. How do you create really a human-centric organization that's about bringing in talent and finding out how to tease out the best of people, give them challenges, give them the ability to see that those skills are, are transversal. So uh, we're seeing that more and more companies are talking about being human-centric and putting the customer at the center, putting the employee at the center. So I'm just curious what you've seen in terms of HR professionals being able to really drive that focus on human centricity in companies. Companies. Do you see that as something that's a sea change coming? Well, look, I think any, 
every HR professional is going to agree with that, right? That that the people are the most important asset in the company, and that uh, that it should be human centric. I, I have not met an HR professional who would think otherwise, right? Uh, you'd almost say, why would they be in HR otherwise? Uh, the question is, how much can they get their company to buy into that? And I do think most companies understand that really, really well, right? In the last two years, it's the people that have kept the companies going, right? It's people that have kept the businesses going. If you don't, if you haven't figured that out by now, I seriously wonder, like, how you run your business. I mean, seriously, like, how could you possibly know what's going on? I think most companies do understand that now. It's just a matter of implementing it with a strong HR organization. And certainly now, as we see that at least in some countries, you're, you're seeing people coming back into the office. We see you sitting in a suit today. And so it's, uh, it's really interesting to see, you know, as people are coming back and as, you know, companies are rehiring, then how are they looking at, at people as holistic people and not just as, a, as an asset, but really how to then nurture the whole person to make sure that as an employer of choice, you are supporting the whole person and that you're unlocking those latent pools of talent within the people you have and also looking at you know, the latent pools of talent to bring in. And that, that all leads us to that issue of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you know, how are companies looking more broadly at that global talent pool, who's out there, you know, do you not need to be located in a particular city anymore? Can you actually pull talent from all over the world? So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, you know, how do you actually tap into a much broader talent pool, not just to tick a box for DEI, but really to look at how you find the people with the skills that you need and kind of deploy them wherever they are. So what, what are your thoughts and what are you doing at Bloomberg to, to pull in more diverse, really untapped pools of talent? When you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, the inclusion piece is about having an environment where everybody can be themselves and bring themselves to work uh, and feel very comfortable and supported. Because if you don't have that, you're not going to get talent in. People are going to look at your organization and say, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be comfortable there. I don't think I'm going to want to work there. So the inclusion piece is critical uh, to have the right environment. Uh, but in terms of tapping the tools of talent, it goes back to the other things we were talking about in terms of skills. Uh, companies have to be open to people from different uh, backgrounds and different skills backgrounds, different educational backgrounds, uh, because uh, if, you, if you're not, you're not going to get diverse talent coming into the company. If you sit there and think, well, let's say in engineering, you have to have a computer science degree to be in our engineering department. Well, okay, you're going to get the diversity of the computer science departments. That's all you're going to get. You're not going to get a broader diversity that's available. However, if you're willing to look at people that go to uh, computer science boot camps, right, that studied English perhaps, and then after they graduated, decided to just pick up their skills and go to a boot camp and learn computer science, not by getting a four-year degree, but by doing a different method. Um, or if you're willing to look at people who were not computer science majors, maybe they were math majors, maybe they were physics majors, and they did, they dabble in computer science in college, they have enough skills, and now you can um, train them up to do more. Again, you'll begin to diversify more um, than you would have otherwise. And the same is true, it's a similar example I gave with customer service. If you only look for people 
with certain skills and backgrounds and degrees, you'll get the diversity of the people with those skills and, uh, and backgrounds and, and, and degrees. If you look for people, not just at hotel schools, but if you look at people that maybe worked in the service industry, maybe they graduated high school, they never went to university, but they worked in the service industry and they have great customer service skills, you say, that's the person I want because this person has great customer service skills, we can train them in the technology. You'll begin to diversify. So you have to, you have to open up your pools that way. You also have to be open to different um, ways people work. I mean, we've seen this during the pandemic that it has affected different um, groups more than others. And flexibility has a greater importance to certain groups than others. And if you want to attract and retain a diverse workforce, you have to offer flexibility as well uh, so that you will attract those people. We're looking now into the underserved population pool of women who are coming back into the workforce, either having raised children or cared for elderly parents or whatever takes you out for an extended period of time. And looking at the different kinds of programs that exist to bring women back in, whether traditional returnship programs or others. And one of the things we're looking at is who is served by those programs and who's not served by those programs, particularly when you look at women or other individuals who want to make a career change. Because a lot of those programs are geared toward, well, you've been in the marketing industry, we'll bring you back into the marketing industry. You've been in financial services, we'll bring you back into financial services. I'd love to hear your perspectives on what works about those programs. You know, what kinds of programs do you support at Bloomberg? And, you know, where do you think that could go in terms of helping people come back in, but maybe not come back into exactly the world that they left? It's tough, uh, for sure, because people are coming back in, uh, highly skilled people, but they, they haven't been in the workforce for a while, so, um, and, and things continually change. So that, that's a, a, a challenge. And then, of course, if someone is switching skills or switching career entirely, to a certain extent, it's, it can be like they're starting back at the beginning. Now, it depends on what it is they're doing. As I said, if someone went back and learned a new skill, and if someone um, is really proficient in that skill, that's great. Uh, but I guess I would say we, we've connected, we, we've had sessions, uh, we've done it, we have more to do. That, that's an area. And right now, um, people that have been out of the workforce aren't necessarily jumping back in right now. I mean, a lot of people are just thinking about their lives in general and what they wanna do. Uh, and this isn't necessarily the time that people are jumping back in, which I think is contributing to the, the labor shortage that we see as well. One of the things that we're hearing as we're doing the preliminary research on this is that a lot of it hinges on technology skills and the sense that if you've been out of the workforce for some time, you may feel that your tech skills are not up to speed and that that's daunting to be able to get them back up. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on Kind of the way technology is interfacing with this whole issue of skilling and reskilling, and is it an enabler? Is it a barrier? What can we do differently around technology and skills? Well, uh, you know, when it comes to technology, I'm biased because I'm an engineer by training. Uh, how I ended up in HR is always a mystery to, to myself and everyone else. But um, look, what I would tell anybody is do not undersell yourself on your technical skills. I think people are intimidated too much. Uh, and if they just try, they can do a lot better than they realize. Uh, you know, that's number one. 
And most technology is not so difficult that people can't sit down and even teach themselves. There's so many online resources where people can uh, teach themselves different skills that within a month you can be totally back up to speed. I mean, think about this for a second. How long did it take the world to learn how to be experts at video conferencing? Right? A week, maybe? Right? Who heard of Zoom in February of 2020? Right? I don't think many people did. And by March of 2020, the whole world was on Zoom. Okay? So, uh, and you might say, well, Zoom is easy. Yeah, sure, but that's a technical skill, right? Being able to say, look, let's have a video conference, let's set it up, let's do it. Um, people, you know, Excel skills are very, very important. Uh, there's so many online resources. I would just say to someone, look, if you want to get good at data analytics, if you want to get good at Excel, uh, it's not hard. Just sit at your computer, take an online course, and do it. Don't be afraid to do it. But people have to take the initiative, right? There's a limit to how much, um, you know, it's, it, that you can lead someone to do it. They uh, can take the initiative, and they have to. They have to. These skills are all necessary uh, going forward. They're going to continue to be necessary uh, going forward. And and um, I would just encourage everybody to learn and do whatever they can. And I think it's that idea of agency. People need to have a say in how they build their careers and how they go and get those skills. That's really important. This has been truly such a pleasure, Ken. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Future of Work Conversations. For more information about the ADECO Group and the latest insights on the world of work, head over to our website at www.adecogroup.com. Did you like this episode? Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And if you have any questions or topics you would like us to explore, please email us at futureofwork at adecogroup.com. Don't worry, we don't spam. Until next time, thanks for listening.